Welcome to Worship in the Word with Generations Church of Granbury. You are invited to stay tuned for the next 59 minutes to enjoy some inspiring music from one of Hood County's wonderful congregations as well as an encouraging message from the Bible. The songs you are about to enjoy are from the Generations Church worship team led by Pastor Shake Anderson with the Gen Praise Band and on special occasions some great guest musicians. Later on in the broadcast, you may hear a proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, along with some teaching from the Bible with Pastor Alan Mata or another generation's church leader or special guest. So without any further delay, welcome to Worship in the Word with Generations Church. Here we go! With the cry of praise, my heart. 
So 
No one quite knew what was wrong. Most times a person grows up gradually. Well, I found myself in a hurry. My muscles and my bones couldn't keep up with my body's ambition. So I spent the better part of three years confined to my bed, with the encyclopedia being my only means of exploration. I had made it all the way to the G's, hoping to find an answer to my gigantificationism, when I uncovered an article about the common goldfish. Kept in a small bowl, the goldfish will remain small. With more space, the fish will grow double, triple, or quadruple its size. It occurred to me then that perhaps the reason for my growth was that I was intended for larger things. After all, a giant man can't have an ordinary sized life. Now, as soon as my bones had settled in their adult configuration, I set upon my plan to make a bigger place for myself in Ashton. Who believes that you're called to just live a mediocre life? Just kind of humdrum, vegetable kind of existence. Nobody dreams of that. And yet so many people do live mediocre lives below the potential that God has given them to fulfill. Um, a man from the Bahamas named Miles Monroe calls himself a Bahamian, speaks with a bit of an accent, calls the graveyard the richest place in all the world because beneath the surface of that soil lie the bodies of people who never fulfilled their potential. Untapped resources that no one can mine. 
is gone with the passage of time. In your life, you have an opportunity to do great things. We all wake up every morning with 86,400 seconds to spend. The difference between evil folks and good folks, hardworking folks and lazy folks, is how they spend their 86,400 seconds. If you don't wear a watch, you want to get one and wear it. Because at all times, you need to have an awareness of the passage of time. The vast majority of people in the world who live below the poverty line don't wear watches. That in itself could help solve a lot of problems in the world. I'd like to speak to you this evening on living out your greatness. Can we say keys to living out your greatness? Keys to living out greatness. Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you. Can we read this? Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. John the Baptist was an amazing man. He was a prophet who was filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. I mean, before he was even born, this guy was saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. And he was called to prepare the way for the Messiah. And what Jesus said of those born of women, who, anybody in here been born of women? We all came to the world with a mama. All right? Two husbands can't have a baby. Amen? That's why Adam and Steve can't conceive. A husband and a wife, the ideal situation, you have a mama, and a baby is born and you're born. And Jesus said, of no one of those born of woman has there not risen one greater than John the Baptist. So up until John the Baptist, he was the greatest man that ever lives, what Jesus said. He was greater than Adam. He was greater than Abraham. He was greater than Moses. He was greater than Jacob. He was greater than Isaac. He was greater than Joseph. He was greater than Isaiah and all the prophets. He was greater than King David. John the Baptist was great. He was greater than Alexander the Great. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now, by saying kingdom of heaven, he's not talking about people in heaven. He's talking about his government that he came to bring on the earth. When Jesus came, he didn't just come to die for our sins. He came to establish a government in the earth. Who knows that, that Jesus is a king? He came not just to forgive us for our sins and free us from our destiny in hell, and eternal separation from God. He came to establish his government. A well-known passage of verse you'll hear quoted during the Christmas season, Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. His name shall be Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So when Jesus comes into our life, he begins to govern us. All right, I have a serious question to ask. When you do something wrong, does it bother you now 
more now that you are a believer in Jesus than it did before you were a believer in Jesus. Anybody? What is that? He's governing us in our hearts. His Holy Spirit saying, uh-uh, shouldn't have did that. You need forgiveness for that. You need to go apologize to that person for that. See that? That's the government of Jesus. And so his government is called his kingdom. It's called the kingdom of God. It's called the kingdom of heaven. What he's saying in this verse, up until John the Baptist, there was no, there was no greater person that ever lived. But now that he came to bring his kingdom, the person who's the least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. He's saying babies in the nursery at a church have greatness in them that surpasses John the Baptist. John the Baptist came and, went, came and made a way for Jesus to come. Jesus came and made a way for us to get to know the Father and for us to be citizens in his kingdom and for us to do the will of his Father. So standing on the shoulders of greatness, you and I have the opportunity to be great. Can you tell your neighbor, you're great. You're great. You see that? You're great. He who is least... The person you're tempted to look down upon, that the person you may be tempted to look down upon, who may sit across the room from you at Genrab, Jesus says it is greater than John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is greater than anyone that was born a woman before him. When I saw this, it just kind of like, wow. Wow, I need to awaken to the greatness that's in people. Some of you need to awaken to your own greatness. And you'll see it's not a call to pride. It's just a call to do great things for God. So I have three points tonight. The Lord willing, we will be done in 15 minutes. Keys to living out your greatness. Who would like to know what the three keys are? There are Almighty God sees your greatness. Greatness is revealed through Jesus, and greatness is nurtured by culture. First of all, Almighty God sees your greatness. Jesus was the Son of God. The Bible says He was God manifest in the flesh. He said, He who has seen me has seen the Father. And He said, You are great. Tell yourself, Jesus said, I'm great. Understand that you're made in his image, all right? The great creator is not a junkyard dog. He's a creative God and made you and I in his image. With intellect, the ability to create, the ability to remember, the ability to encourage, the ability to give life. This is the image of God that's in you and I. We're made in his image. Is that great? Yeah. Is that something to be thankful for? Yes. Remember that he gave his son for you. While we were yet sinners, the book of Romans says, Christ died for us. Before we were believers in Jesus. While we were rebellious. Maybe we were even cursing God. Even the the greatest Satanists in the world, while they're in Satanism, Christ already died for them to pay for their sins. All they must do is just turn to him in faith. 
Why did God do that? Because he loved them and because he sees greatness in them. Number three, realize that he chose to redeem you. Who remembers the day you became a believer? Did that happen because you have such a high IQ? Did it happen because somebody made you to? God lured you. Maybe you first came to church because there was a cute guy there. But God revealed himself to you in a whole myriad of ways. He drew you to a revelation of himself. So he chose you. Oh, but I chose him. Yeah, but who gave you enough sense to choose him? The one who chose you. So he's the one that gives us the ability to see our need for a savior. All right, so can we say, Almighty God sees your greatness? All right, greatness is revealed through Jesus. Now, we need a good definition of what greatness is. Greatness is not displayed in the life of Alexander the Great. He was a very angry, spoiled man and died at a young age, unhappy, even though he had everything the world could ask for. He was a murderous, bloodthirsty, conniving, evil person. So he was great in the context of the vast territory that he ruled, but he was not great in that he had characteristics that we should all admire, at least all of his characteristics. But greatness ultimately is revealed in Jesus. Everything about Jesus was great. Who would agree with me on that? So if greatness is revealed through Jesus, number one, he said we should stay as humble as a little child. Listen to this. In Matthew 18, verse 1, the disciples came to Jesus and said, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them and said, put that little kid right there in the middle of these guys who are arguing about who's the greatest. He said, assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Can we say the greatest? So children are humble. They'll forgive when they're told to. They'll repent when they're told to. They're courageous. They're not afraid to dream. They're not afraid to think big. They have a lot to learn, but they're teachable. There's something about little children that is very admirable. And we need to heed those characteristics because in children is the seeds of greatness. Number two, greatness is revealed through Jesus and becoming humble like a servant. Jesus said in Matthew 23, verse 11, He who is greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So the greatest among us is not the bully on the playground playing king of the hill. The greatest is a person who's not afraid to serve and show the love of God in practical ways that pe to people that need help. The greatest is a person that's not afraid to show up on a Saturday or a Sunday or in some other day to help people who need help. That's the key to greatness, is being a servant. Our own president, fresh out of college, became a community organizer helping poor people. 
Would he be where he is today had he not done that? I don't think so. A key to greatness is learning to help people, becoming humble like a servant. Greatness is revealed through Jesus and putting others ahead of yourself. In Mark 9, it says, when Jesus was in the house, he asked his disciples, what is it that you disputed among yourselves on the road? What are you guys arguing about? They kept silent, verse 34, for on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. He sat down and called the 12 and said to them, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. So, if you want to be the greatest, if you want to be first, put yourself last. Serve others. Put them ahead of you. Help other people succeed. And guess what? If they succeed, they're going to remember what you did for them. They're going to help you. It just comes back to you. You reap what you sow. So, but if you stomp on people, walk on people to get yourself ahead in life, who's going to help you when you need a hand? Nobody. Blessed are the merciful, Jesus said, for they shall obtain mercy. You may have it going on. You may be perfect in every way, but trust me, you're not totally perfect. And there was going to come a day when you need some mercy. So it's best that we sow seeds of mercy in the lives of others so that they can give it to us when we need it. Anybody tracking with me? Tracking with me? All right. So you see someone in the school hallway whose books have been knocked out of their hand. If you've got time, stop and help them. Don't kick them further on down the hallway because one day someone may knock your books out of your hand and you'll need some help because you're running late to a class. And it just could be the person that you put ahead of yourself to help may be the person that helps you. If anything else, you're helping a culture of kindness to develop in your campus. Greatness is revealed through Jesus in following his example. He said, if I, being your Lord, wash your feet, so you ought to wash one another's feet. Now, in this culture, we don't wash people's feet. We wear fully full shoes, but in that day, they walked on the streets in sandals, and they didn't have good irrigation, uh, good drainage systems, and they didn't have cars. They had donkeys, and guess what donkeys like to do everywhere they go? Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a nastiness it is. <laughs> and so throughout the day, your feet are going to get nasty, right? So if a servant washes your feet, it is a blessing. But if you don't have a servant to wash your feet, you have to wash your own feet. But if a friend washes your feet, this is a blessing. It's kind of foreign to our culture. It's kind of like having somebody clean your shoes for you. You come in, your shoes are all nasty and soiled, and they clean your shoes up for you. That's a great blessing. Final point. Greatness is nurtured by culture. I would like to see GenRev be not just a safe place where predators don't come in here and, and uh, molest people or abuse folks. I would like to see it be more than that. I would like to see it be a place where we nurture one another's potential. We cheer one another on to achieve the greatness that God has called us to. We help one another by being servants to one another. Who wants that kind of a youth group? 
Not just a safe place, but an empowering place. Number one, for, for greatness to be nurtured by our culture, we need to live out our greatness by following Jesus' words and his example. This third point basically is reviewing the first two. But if we follow Jesus' words and his example and we live out his greatness, everywhere we go, we're going to be surrounded by a culture of servanthood, a culture that Jesus says is great. Number two, greatness is nurtured by culture if we help others to discover their greatness. This is not just me learning about my greatness, but this is about me helping people to see that they don't have to live mediocre lives, that they're called to a higher calling than just not sinning, that they're called to a greater walk than just modifying their behavior, but that there is a destiny that God has for them that is unique. There's a battle station that they are called to man. As husbands, wives, fathers, youth, children, presidents, governors, whatever it is God has called you to be. We want to help you discover your greatness. And we want you guys to help one another discover their greatness. Number three, to do this, we need to esteem others more highly than ourselves. I need to see that Billy Bob has it going on. I need to esteem him, or Susie Q, I need to esteem her, value her more than me. That means I've got to deal with my selfishness. Truly great people are unselfish people. So we want to help by esteeming people. That guy is awesome. What can I do to bless him? That sister has it going on, but she's discouraged. What can I do to help her see that the story's not over? She's going to make it. I'm going to help her overcome. Number four, we need to take all the one another scriptures of the New Testament more seriously. When I'm done, I'm going to pass out these sheets. On these sheets are 33 verses from the New Testament of how we're to treat one another. We're to be at peace with one another. We're to wash one another's feet. Now, what does that mean in this culture in this time? Help one another out when we need it. We're to love one another. We're to love each other. We're to be devoted to one another and brotherly love. We're to honor one another among ourselves. We're to live in harmony with one another. We're to stop passing judgment on one another. We're to accept one another just as Christ accepts us. We're to instruct one another, teach one another good things. We're to greet one another with a holy kiss. Ooh. All right. In that day and time and in the Eastern culture, they still kiss when they greet. Yeah, men kiss men, women kiss women, but it's a holy thing. It's nothing sexual about it. What I think it means is we're to greet one another with sincerity. Not just, hey, what's happening? You ever had somebody ask, and maybe I've done it to you. If so, I apologize. How are you doing? And before you have a chance to respond, they've walked away. That's not a holy kiss. Need to take time with one another. When we eat, we need to wait for one another. Have equal concern for one another. All right, that's just 14 of them. There's 19 more. So I'll pass these out. I'm almost done. All right, with Rachel's challenge, I want to stand on the shoulders of Rachel. All right? Not putting Rachel's challenge down. But we need 
at GenRav and Generations Church, we need to move beyond just not bullying. If we just don't bully people, we haven't gone far enough. Who knows that life can knock you down, just life itself. We need to be more than just not picked on. As important as that is, we need to be encouraged. Not, I'm just not going to pick on you anymore. No, I'm going to help you out. So we need to move beyond just that. If that's where you are, that's where you are, right? Let's, if you're a bully, let's at least work on that first. But if you no longer pick on people, don't get all prideful and say, well, now I've arrived, Ooh, ain't I great? No, there's God's challenging you, challenging us tonight, I believe, with another word. Let's move beyond just not bullying. Let's help one another move forward with our lives. And the final point, we need to will to not speak ill. Of another. Can we say will to not speak ill? Will to not speak of another. Even in people's absence, we need to make a decision. I'm not going to speak ill of anyone's character, of their reputation, of their future, of their giftedness. I want to speak highly of others, even in their absence. A reputation is something that is valuable. And if you and I slander people's reputations, we could do something damaging, affect that person getting a job or a raise or hinder them from moving ahead in their life. We say will to not speak ill. Greg Harrell, one of our elders, told me a story of two Naval Academy graduates who made a pact when they graduated to never speak ill of the other throughout their careers. I'm never going to speak ill of you. I'm only going to speak highly of you. I'm never going to put you down in your absence or even in your presence. I'm always going to give you praise. I'm always going to do what I can to encourage you. Guess what became of those two men? They both eventually became admirals in the U.S. Navy. America's Navy has a slogan. They're a global force for good. Isn't that a good slogan? Who would like to be part of a school, of a campus, of a youth group, of a city, a community, a state, a nation that is a global force for good? Then let me challenge you. Walk in your greatness Stop trying to become great and just accept that you are great. Now what? Now that I'm great, what, I, what can I do to serve somebody? What can I do to help lift somebody up? What can I do to help open someone's eyes to their greatness? Oh, Pastor Allen, I'm just a kid. No, you're not. I'm just the least in the kingdom. No, you're not. You're the greatest in the kingdom. I'm a loser. Oh, that is a lie from the pit of hell. You are a mighty man, a mighty woman of God, called to be more than a hoochie mama. <laughs> or a baby daddy. You are called to walk in greatness. I, I, I want to affect your thinking about yourself. 
The bully on the playground may be somebody that doesn't think highly enough of themselves. They may appear to be prideful, but no, they feel like a piece of crap, and so they want everybody else to feel that way. So may the Lord develop in our hearts mercy, even for the cruel ones in our midst, that we too can see their greatness and can somehow reach their heart. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, I've delivered what I believe you've given me, and I pray that you would uh, help us to apply it in every way. At home, with our families, with our younger siblings and our older brothers and sisters, our moms, our dads, our step-parents, our guardians, grandparents. Help us, Lord, to wisely invest every second of every day to walk in the greatness to which you've called us and to help one another to walk in theirs as well. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for tuning in today for Worship and the Word with Generations Church. You may hear our radio broadcast again at the same time and station next week. If you do not have a church congregation to call home and you live near the Granbury area, we would love to invite you to come check us out some Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Our meeting facilities are located at 5718 East Highway 377 on the Fort Worth side of Granbury. And our website is at generationschurch.org. Oh, yeah.